Language matters, so be aware of the language you use. And no, you don't need to be anxious. You need to be mindful. Be mindful about the subtleties that your language is communicating and the biases and beliefs that at this moment you may not even know you are perpetuating. As you are learning more and more about your unconscious biases, I like to invite you to engage in a deeper reflection about the fact that when we are using language unconsciously, we may continue to have interactions that hurt people. I don't like to argue, so I say nothing and fume for days. How do I set boundaries without sounding like a jerk? I hate the idea that I might accidentally offend somebody, so sometimes I'd just rather say nothing at all. Welcome to the Language Alchemy Podcast, and thank you for joining me today. This is your host, Alejandra Siroca, a transformative communication teacher and coach devoted to helping you have more peace and more harmony in all your relationships. In this Q&A episode, I am going to address a big question that I've heard many times and that someone emailed me recently. Let's call them M. This is the question. Alejandra, I'm feeling anxious about what to say to people when I meet them for the first time. With all that I have been learning about systemic racism and unconscious biases, I don't know what's okay to say anymore. How do I make sure my language is not offensive? First of all, M, thank you for your question. In your question, I am hearing that you have been learning a lot about social and racial justice and that you want to make sure that your language doesn't continue to hurt people who have already been hurt for generations. Thank you for wanting to do something different. I'd like to encourage you to consider that that something different is not just because it's the right thing to say, but rather to have an intention of bringing more healing to our human family. And how do you bring more healing? Keep listening and you'll find out. The language you use to communicate matters. For example, I know you're an adult. So if I addressed you as, Hi, kid. Or, Hello, kiddo. Or, Hey, you little one. Or, Hi, you small creature. You would probably find it odd to say the least. And it's very likely that you would stop listening to this podcast. Why? Because if I called you a child or one of its equivalents, you wouldn't feel connected to me. I'm not addressing you accurately, not because it's right or wrong, but I'm not really seeing you as you are. I'm not acknowledging that you are an adult. So in one sense, being aware of the language you're using to address or talk to people is important. What's more though, The language we use to communicate shows our biases. So if I address you as a child, perhaps that means I'm seeing myself as the adult, as the big person, and I'm seeing you as the small person. So this language is expressing differentiation and a power dynamic between you and me. Now, M, should I be anxious about using this kind of language with you? No. However, it would be very useful to be mindful. So to answer your question, 
Yes, language matters, so be aware of the language you use. And no, you don't need to be anxious. You need to be mindful. You need to be mindful about the subtleties that your language is communicating and the biases and beliefs that at this moment you may not even know you are perpetuating. As you are learning more and more about your unconscious biases, it's important to find your own expression that can bring us together and not further apart. And again, not because it's the right thing to say or because you think saying black is politically correct and before you use the term African-American, or not because you're using the word Latinx instead of Latino when you refer to people of Latin American origin or heritage because you think Latinx is the right thing to say, but use it because of your desire to include people from Latin American origin or heritage who are female and non-binary. But rather than feeling anxious about using a term, I like to invite you to engage in a deeper reflection about the fact that when we are using language unconsciously without giving it any thought, we may continue to have interactions that hurt people, even if we are not mentioning a particular label that's now being explored in an attempt to find ways to be more inclusive, more equitable, and less oppressive or hurtful. So for example, I'd love to raise your awareness about the kinds of questions you ask when you meet someone for the first time. Think of the questions we usually ask. Where are you from? What do you do for a living? Where do you live? Do you have kids? Now, while these questions have no explicit labels about specific groups, let's look at what these questions assume and the biases that they communicate. So first of all, where are you from? Where are you from assumes that you are not from here and it usually communicates you can't be from here because you look different from me or speak differently from me. So this question, as innocent as it may sound, it implies that to be from here, that is to say, to belong, you need to look like me or speak like me. What I would love for you to notice is whether you ask this question to every single person you encounter or whether you only ask this question to people you see as different from you. I can tell you from my experience, this is one of the questions I get asked the most. I can't recall going to a new place and meeting white people like you, Em, who have not asked me that question. And sometimes when I say, I'm from here, the response I receive is, no, come on, seriously, where are you from? I hear your accent. Or, where are you originally from? I'd also like to tell you that this is not the first question a lot of non-white people or immigrants ask me. Maybe it comes up later in the conversation, but with white people, this is usually the first or second question for sure. I actually tested this with a friend of mine from Brazil who's blonde and has pale skin. She's not asked this question unless she mentions that she is from Brazil. The same goes for my husband. Where are you from? Is not one of the first questions he gets asked unless 
he talks about his move to the West Coast. Now, let's go to the second question. What do you do for a living? This question assumes that adults work, and it comes from the fact that working is so valued in Western society. Yet, there are many people who have lost their jobs at the moment, many of whom are people of color. There are many others who are in transition, and there are also others who are not working because of personal reasons. Several of my clients have shared in our coaching sessions how this question impacts them negatively. In fact, I've had several coaching sessions in which I helped my clients find their authentic language to answer that very sensitive question without feeling that they have no value in society at the moment because they're not working. I also hear from clients how they may mention the industry they're employed in at the moment, but then they quickly change the subject to talk about something else. The thing is that having a job or being able to choose what job to have is a matter of privilege. So if you would like to recognize yours, M, notice what happens if this is one of the first questions you ask. Now let's go to the third question. Where do you live? This question is similar to the where are you from question. People might be uncomfortable sharing where they live because where we live usually communicates what socioeconomic status we have. And this can divide us into categories. So once again, just be aware of the subtleties of your questions. And how about the last question? Do you have children? This question is one that most adult women are asked. And it implies a bias that women should have children and that having children gives value to women. I have several clients who cannot have children or who have chosen not to have them. Having to answer this question again and again is disconnecting and painful because it puts them in a category of not being seen as valuable in society or when the person finds out that there is no child, then there's the assumption that this woman is selfish, career-oriented, or somehow inadequate. So my invitation to you is to consider who are you asking these questions and what kind of biases you may be communicating when you ask them. By themselves, none of these questions are wrong or bad questions. In fact, they can lead to connection. But when we ask these questions on automatic pilot, right away as we meet someone, these questions let the other know what assumptions we're making of them. So you may say, okay, but what other options do we have when we meet someone for the first time? Remember I said at the beginning of my response that I wanted to encourage you to consider to say something different not just because it's the right thing to say, but rather because of the intention to bring in more healing to our human family? Well, you can bring healing when you are mindful of your intention to connect. If you keep this intention in mind, the language that follows that intention will have infinite possibilities of expression. Now, something to consider is that when we have a clear intention to connect, we find that people are fascinating. We also find our common denominators, the things that we share as human beings. So for example, if you are at a gathering, you could ask, what brought you here today? Or 
how do you know the host? As you hear the answer, you can ask more questions about what you hear. This can communicate that you are listening, that you are present, that you are valuing the other person as another member of our human family. Another way in which you can bring forth healing and connection is by making an observation about something you see in them or something you heard, as in, I just heard you telling someone that you love music. I do too. What does music do for you? Or, I'm looking at your watch and I'm guessing there could be a story about it. And then you can go from there. After you established connection with someone, you can go deeper and deeper. For example, in the last 10 days, I learned from someone I just met that she moved to the U.S. very recently in the midst of a global pandemic. She told me how COVID changed everything in her life and she needed a fresh start. She always had this opportunity to move, but this time she realized this was the moment. And then she told me how difficult it was to socialize and start a new life while wearing a mask everywhere and keeping social distancing. I met this person at a jazz concert. In another conversation with a stranger, a person mentioned the name of another person in their lives. And I said, your tone of voice changed when you mentioned this person. It sounds that this person is special for you. And then I got to hear how the person mentioned was a special auntie and all the things that this auntie did to let the man I was talking to know he was loved, accepted, and cared for. We had a lovely conversation about the importance of having kind and loving adults in our lives who are not our parents, who can give us the message that they see us, they accept us, they love us. So in these two cases, I simply asked questions based on what I was hearing or noticing in the moment. I followed up on something the other person said and let the other person know I was right there with them, valuing them as a member of our very diverse human family. And if you're at a loss, but you really want to have the intention to connect, then I encourage you to ask these questions to someone. What are the questions you get asked the most and you're tired of answering? And what would you like to be asked instead? These two questions can lead you to delightful, meaningful, and healing conversations with people. Now, one last thing. As you interact with people, notice the topics you bring up and the questions you ask. Do you ask people certain kinds of questions if you assume they are like you and you ask certain other kinds of questions if you assume they aren't? If your answer is yes, then it's time for further reflection so that you can connect with yourself at a deeper level and become more aware of the biases and beliefs that are driving your conversations. M, thank you so much for your email and your question. I bet it was very useful to many people listening to this episode. And speaking of you listening to the podcast, I'd love to answer your question in the next Q&A podcast episode. Is there something specific about your communication that you'd like to understand? Is there something you're struggling to communicate? If so, you can choose to write your question and I will read your question on the podcast or 
you can record your own voice. It's very simple. Just go to languagealchemy.com forward slash podcast question. Thank you so much for listening and a special thanks to my client Chris for all the work she's done to bring forth more healing and connection. Until the next episode, and as we say in Argentina, ciao ciao! Original music by Gary Lapoe. You can find all links in the show notes at languagealchemy.com.